The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Uh, all right, let's pray. We're going to get in the Word. We're talking about um, the Lord's Prayer, how to pray like Jesus today. Who would like to pray like Jesus? Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, we can. The Bible actually gives us direction on that. Um, so, Father, we pray that you would give us, Lord, ears to hear your Word, and that we'd be able to not only hear it, God, but be able to internalize and then live it out, God, that it would fall on good soil in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the Bible talks about prayer in a lot of different places, but one place specifically that we're going to go over today um, is going to be uh, in Matthew. But in Matthew and in Luke, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Now imagine if you could just have a minute with Jesus and be like, okay, teach me how to pray. Wouldn't that be just amazing? And he's like, yeah, do you know what? Sign up for my $49.95 prayer course, and you can do it through my website, or you can come live in person. We'll have a webinar you can download afterwards. He just turned around and just told them, here you go. And then it was recorded so that we can hear it and we are able to actually receive from it and share it. So I'm going to read, uh, we're going to focus on the one out of Matthew, but I put up here Luke 11 and Matthew 6 because if you want to write that down, you can go in your own Bible and you can read both of those chapters. And I would say to take time to do that, which we're not going to do today, but take time to read the whole chapter in both of those spots because we're going to talk about specifically what he said on how to pray, like, like kind of the, the, the model he uses. But if you read the whole chapter, he gives a lot of other instruction on prayer as well, as far as heart posture or attitude, the mindset, uh, like what motivates prayer. Those kind of things are talked about in Luke 11 and Matthew 6. But we don't have time to go into all that, so I'm focusing today on specifically how he says to actually pray. I had a guy that gave his life to Jesus several years back, a good friend of mine. Now, at the time, I had just started to get to know him, and he was heading to his family's for Thanksgiving uh, out of town, and he calls me, and he says, um, I, I'm the only religious person in my family. I'm like, yeah. He goes, they'll probably ask me to pray for the food or something. And I said, they might do that. And he's like, how do I do that? And I'm like, well, let's talk about it. So we went through this big, long, no, we just, you know, it's easy. You're talking to God, ask him to bless the food, thank him for it, right? Just in your own words, easy. But there's a, a fear that a lot of us have with, are we praying right, right? I talk to people and they're like, well, I don't even know how to pray. Oh, did I pray wrong? You know, I was with somebody and they were praying and they were praying for healing. And then they're like, okay, you know, they're afraid to say like what they actually need prayer over because they don't want to confess that that was happening, like they needed prayer over like a specific sickness or disease, they don't want to say it because then they didn't want to claim it, now nah, I'm going to always be sick, like it's all these weird teachings around prayer, where like our, whatever word we say, boom, it could lock us up or set us free, who knows, be very careful on how you're saying it because you could actually hurt yourself more by praying, anybody ever feel that way, like oh, if I pray wrong, I said the wrong thing, it was wrong. okay, God set us free, and the Bible says he who the Son sets free is free indeed. His intention is for us to be free and to have freedom, especially in communication with him. And so Jesus gives us an example. He says here in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, he says, this then is how you should pray. 
This then is how you should pray. So clear instructions. So the goal here when you leave today is for you just to feel comfortable praying and talking to God and not worried and stressed out if you did it wrong or if you're doing it right. And he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is his answer. So we're going to break this down a little bit and understand what he's getting at and what he's actually saying, because uh, there's a lot in there. We've all, who's heard that on a movie or on some kind of, you're watching a movie, everybody loves the Lord's Prayer, it's out there. But there's so much meaning, just line by line, even word by word, that he has built into the prayer. And Jesus isn't saying, look, pray this exact word and phrase. That's not what he's saying, because in Luke 11, it's a little bit different. Because he's given this message multiple times as people have asked to learn, and he's, and he's telling them. So it's a little bit different. Because it's not the actual exact word. It's, he's trying to get them an understanding. Like, if I can teach you how to do it, how to interact with the Father, you're going to be able to do this on your own, in your own way. So we're going to first start out with this first piece that says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So first word, our. That's easy to go flying right past. Very important word. R. O-U-R-R. So right now, I am me, Andy, by myself. Depending on the day, I could have a couple personalities, but mainly I'm just me. Right? Okay. How would I make me an hour? Can somebody do it? Somebody make me an hour right now on this stage. Somebody come make me an hour. There we go. I have now become not a me, but a we, right? This is an hour, okay? Right? I knew I could count on Josh. Thank you. So, that's an hour. An hour requires more than one, okay? It does. It requires more than one. So, the very beginning of Jesus' prayer, the very first thing he says is hour. What's he saying? Because they're saying, teach us to pray. He's saying, first of all, this is communal. First of all, you are a believer. You're together. First of all, this isn't about you. This isn't about your own personal salvation. This isn't about my own Jesus in my heart. That's not what the Christian faith really is about. Is he our Savior? Yes. Is it personal? Yes. But the whole point, Jesus said, by this will know you're my disciples, that you love one another. It's a communal thing. It's meant to bring people together in love and in connection. And so he starts right away with, okay, first of all, when you pray, you start out like this, our. How many of you could say, my prayers start out with our? My prayers start out, maybe not the word, but the concept. Does your prayer life, most of you say, oh, I spent 10 minutes in prayer this month, or however much time. I spent 10 minutes in prayer today, or an hour in prayer, or whatever you pray. But how much of it was flavored by our versus me because in his prayer model it's completely and as we read through the rest of it you'll see it's completely saturated with community so his instruction for us and the way that we would read that and understand that is that when we go into prayer time we walk in it might be in a private prayer closet but i'm not going in there to just pray for me i'm going in there to pray for you I'm going in there to pray for Gordon as he's going out. I'm going in there to pray for, I've got people, I've got names, my phone, I've got, names, I've got people that haven't been in our church in years that I still pray for. And I'll pray and then I'll send them a text. Say, I was thinking of you, praying for you. And give them a message of encouragement that God gave me. 
I pray for the people in here. What? Because it's, it's not about me. Are there things I pray for myself? Yes, absolutely. I'm still holding out hope for some new bangs, but it hasn't happened. But he said, you know what? Keep knocking, right? That's also in Matthew. He says, just keep knocking, just keep knocking. So I knock, I'm back. But it's praying in, a, in this mindset of there's others. And so out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks, right? And so if our prayers are mainly focused on me rather than we, what does it say about my heart? It's mostly, it's mostly focused on me. Now, do I have real needs? Yes. And do I need to pray about those? Yes. My heart does care about me. And that's okay. But out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth should pray the needs of others, not because it's on a checklist I'm supposed to do that, but because it's the outpouring of my heart. It's how Jesus prayed. And so he's teaching his disciples the same thing. Hallowed be your name. Uh, he talks about that. Hallowed is to actually lift up and to be holy and to set it apart and say, you know, this matters. This is important. Okay, but the name of who? Well, he says it right before that. It's the name of our Father in heaven. Okay, so there's a Father. There's actually someone who has made us, but what else does a Father represent? Provision, protection, authority. Like, in this context, especially, nowadays some of that stuff has kind of shifted around and moved in culture, but in this context... Even the trade that you provided for your home, it was taught by the father teaching him. Like, okay, you're gonna be a carpenter because dad's a carpenter. Man, I would have been in trouble. But this is what you have to do. You learn from and you're growing. So there's this entire like, message just even in calling him father. And then the other part of it was relational because nobody had relationship with their gods. The gods were just in, in heaven and they were just up in the skies and they were just doing things like throwing lightning bolts down and having wars and doing stuff. But he's like, no, this is your father. Okay, so you're able to talk to him that way. You're able to relate and to connect. Maybe you've had a bad father in your life. Maybe you weren't raised with a father that, that brings up a good feeling or a good thought. The context here and what he's talking about is, is a good father. And so if you don't have that experience, that's something to pray about. Lord, I don't know you that way because I didn't know a father that way. And ask him to show you and to teach you and to help you to understand who he is that way and what's meant by that. But it's, it's our father and it's not just mine, but it's ours, which now makes us brothers and sisters and it's back to community again. We're connected together in a deep way. Whether you want to be or not, that's the thing about family. You're still connected. It doesn't matter. Friends you choose, family you get them. That's your family. And some of them you love and some of them you love differently. Some of them you love on holidays. And other ones you love all year long, right? Anybody got family like that? Yeah, um, I don't. I love all my family all the time. It's amazing. Uh, but, and then the other thing is, where is he at? Where is his father? He's in heaven. Well, what does that tell us? If I said that your father's in heaven, okay, what does that tell you about your identity? If your father, the one who made you, protects you, cares for you, watches over you, the one that has authority over you, all that stuff, the one that is your father, what does it tell you about your identity and where you belong? Heaven. That's not just in there for nothing. It's in there. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. This is not our home. Earth is not our home. It's not. We don't belong here. We're foreigners. The Bible calls us foreigners, sojourners, travelers. We're traveling through. That's what we're doing. We're just moving. Brandon, come, come up here for a second. No, the other Brandon. We got two, both Brandons can come in. Brandon and Brandon, come on up. Stand right here. We're collecting Brandons at the church. Hey, that was in our community 
Some people have two services. We have two Brandons, by the way. You guys can all come check us out. Okay, can I have your purse? I won't take anything good out of it. Just give it to me. Have you guys ever been through a woman's purse? No, I'm not, not going to open it, I promise. Purse, I promise. Okay. All right, so you're a sojourner, a traveler, right? Okay, so on your travel, I'm going to give you this. Okay. Give me that pink one right there. All right, and give me the cupcakes right there. Give me the water bottle. Just give me all of it. I need it. Mainly I'm hungry and thirsty. Okay, pick that. Okay. All right, hold on to that. You're about to get some stuff too. Okay. Take that. Okay, don't, now stop. All right. Okay, I want you to hold that. Okay, just a minute. Probably going to need one of these. These are really nice. I love these things. These things are just incredible. Okay. This is nice as well. These are beautiful. Okay, let's do a little bit of these. These are amazing. All right. Let's get that. All right. Okay, stay still. Okay. I'm getting tired and I'm not even carrying it. Okay. So if these guys are traveling right now, we're going on a walk, we're traveling. Matt, you're a walker. Well, you don't really walk, you run. and it, You treat it like walking, but it's really running. It's not. So you don't want to run a couple laps around? Okay, we'll just take it off. All right. All right, you can put it down now. Okay, what's wrong with traveling that way? It's heavy. Burdens. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what they are? All right, will you put that one back down there? He's sweating. All the OCD people are like, why is this happening? That's why it's happening. You have OCD and I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. This, listen. Brand, no, Brandon asked me, don't fix that, Brandon. Let it just torment her. Let it torment her all day long. Praise the Lord. Freedom. Get some freedom, sister. Get some freedom. Somebody, somebody sprinkle some freedom on her. Okay. There, I straightened it. Okay. All right. Brandon asked, are those my burdens? Yes. But I'll just tell you this. This is what we don't understand sometimes as believers. They're also your blessings. Because many of the blessings in this life weigh us down just as much as the burdens. Because we're not meant to be here. And we can get so focused on accumulating the blessings of this life. A better house, a nicer car, a better phone, a better shirt, a better friend, a better whatever. Like we get so focused on I've got to just, I'm just trying to have my, my, my blessed life. And by the time we actually get there, Guess what? It's over. It's over. That's heavy. But it's true. 
by the time you get all the stuff, the prestige, the honor, the respect on your name, the things, the right job, the right promotion, the right, by the time you get it all, guess what? You gotta leave it all. Because we just literally, we are actually not made to stay here. This isn't our permanent home. And so the more we understand that, the better we can do this journey. Because having all these things all the time limits us and holds us to other things we could do. I've got so much great stuff that I'm making payments on that I can't get out and serve someone that God asked me to serve or love on someone that God asked me to love because I don't have the time or I'm so stressed out and so tired that I can't actually even do that. Why? Because I got too many things and so I can't do the journey right. I can't take the walk. I can't do the run. I can't go be a Spartan like Matt and Tisha. I can't go do, I can't go do the thing that God's put in my heart because I got too much other stuff happening. I got too many favorite shows. I got too many favorite this. I got too much. Of There's just so much. And so we have to be careful, but it's our Father in heaven. This is, we are here. We're here for a purpose. Paul said, I can't decide. Would I rather be in heaven or would I rather stay here? And he said, I'd rather go to heaven. It's better for me. But if I stay here, it's better for you. Paul had an understanding that he was going somewhere better, that Jesus has prepared a place for him, that he's going to a better spot. But as long as he's here, then the purpose is not to accumulate blessings or to discard burdens because they both end up weighing you down. It wouldn't matter if I put a, a sack of sand on Brandon's shoulders and a big old bucket of rocks and, the, and had the other Brandon carrying them and they got all that, that's a burden. Wouldn't it matter if I got rid of all that and I threw like a nice big screen TV and a beautiful bunch of nice stuff on them and said, okay, now go take this walk and climb up this mountain and go over this thing and go. Both of them, in the context of what they're supposed to be doing at the moment, become a burden. And so our blessings and our burdens can both be something that inhibit us from the life that God wants us to have and keep us from joy. And so he's giving them a reminder, this isn't where you're from. And it was important because some of his disciples that were close, their entire picture was a political rebellion and takeover to get the freedom back from Rome. And he's saying, you know what, our father's in heaven. This isn't our home. Start out there. We're communal, and this isn't where we're staying, which frees you up. It's a way to live free. I don't have to get, and if I lose, it's okay. You know what, because I'm, I'm passing through. And that's a real reality of being a believer, of knowing God. How it is to revere him and to know him and respect him. Your kingdom means, what is a kingdom? A kingdom is a place where God has rule and reign and he establishes the culture. And I use God because he's our king, but that's just the reality of a kingdom. Any king, it's, these are my boundaries. Anything inside of these boundaries, I'm in charge of. And so it's my way and it's my culture, and it's the way that I want things to run, and with inside of my boundaries, this is how we operate. That's the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, the Bible says, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So what does that mean? That means that when we come inside of those boundaries, we're supposed to leave our sin outside of them because we live in a place of righteousness, first given to us by Christ through his death and resurrection, but then we attempt to live that out through his Holy Spirit working in us. I'm gonna actually live that. Your shoes off. It doesn't belong inside of his walls. I can't bring it in. You ever been in someone's house and they're like, okay, take your shoes off? Some people don't want the shoes in the house. Okay, well, God doesn't want the sin in the house. It's like, leave that out there. This is a place of righteousness. We don't bring all the dirt inside. 
Okay, only his house is not this building. His kingdom isn't defined by the walls of the beat. It's not even defined by the walls of all the churches. His kingdom, it's a spiritual kingdom, and we enter into it as believers. So when we're entering into his kingdom, he's like, you know what, come in, but leave that out. And so we're supposed to leave those things that don't please him out. And so we're walking into his kingdom. This is where his rule, his reign is. His culture, what's his culture? Well, once again, it's community that we love and serve and care for one another. And so Jesus said that he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down as a ransom. He's establishing the culture of his kingdom. This is a, a place where we serve, we love, we care, and we do what's right in God's eyes. Everything else we leave out. But I like it, but I need it, but I want it, but it helps me. No, we leave it out. And then we come inside. Why? Because we know whatever we leave outside is okay because if the inside of these walls, the king is in charge and he has authority and he has provision and he has blessing and we're all safe here and we can be cared for here and he can bless us and watch over our needs. It goes on, it says, give us today our daily bread. Why would God want to give us daily bread? Why wouldn't he just give us all the bread? So we could stack it up. Put some in the freezer. Huh, fill the pantry. Show our friends our bread cupboard. Oh, awesome. This is my sourdough section, straight from San Francisco, because they have no good sourdough in Texas. This is my rye section. We don't actually eat it, but it looks great, and it's marbled. It's awesome bread. Right? We just have, like, our little bread. Why do you feed your kids daily? They get hungry daily, yeah. But why don't you just give them all the food at once? I'm in grocery shopping and put all the food on your bed for the next month. They would stuff themselves in one day, and what else would what else would happen? They'd run out of food. They wouldn't use it well. Okay. When you prepare dinner at night, what's the plan? Everybody comes in. You're making stuff for every person that you're serving, right? And then what happens? They all come in and eat, right? That's the theory. What else? Community. Right? He gives the daily bread, not just the month of bread, because he literally intends and wants for us to come every day to get it. Why would he do that? Because he's stingy? No, he wants us to come to the table. Hey, dinner's ready. Come to the table. Hey, it's a new day. Come get the bread. Hey, it's a new day. It's not just to build our faith, although that's part of it. The Israelites experienced that with the manna. But it's also that he wants to provide daily and so that we come daily and have conversation and connect and talk. If you look in the New Testament, you look at Jesus' life, anytime bread was involved, he was doing something. He was having community. He was connecting. He was connecting with the 5,000, giving them bread and fish and talking and instructing and teaching. There was community happening. He was doing that when he was with the disciples. There's, there's a communityness about it, a connectedness about it that God wants us to have. And so he gives us a lot of times what we need for today, but he doesn't always give us what we need for tomorrow. Whether that's spiritual bread, because he's the bread of life, right? Lord, I don't feel close enough to you to last me for the next two months. What am I going to do? Come back tomorrow and pray again. Can't you just give me some extra? Can I get it to go? I'm busy. No, come to the table. Come spend time with me tomorrow. I'll feed you again. Financial bread, right? We actually just need our bread. <laughs> we need to pay our bills. He doesn't always give it to all, not because he's trying to string us out or make us feel poor, but because he wants us to actually feel the need to come and talk to him. 
and to spend time with him and to be in relationship. He wants a daily recurring situation, which he actually established in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says he came down and he'd walk in the, in the cool of the night. Every day he'd come down and walk with him and just be there inside of the garden. It's always been his plan. And so he gives us daily bread. We know he's going to give it. You don't go to your parents like, well, I don't see tomorrow night's dinner out, so are you going to starve me tomorrow? Uh, no, son, we, we actually don't cook it till tomorrow. Are you sure? Uh, have you ever been starved for not having dinner because we didn't cook it the next day? No. Okay, we'll go eat your dinner and go hang out. But what about tomorrow? That's pretty silly, right? Anybody do that to the Lord? Are you going to provide for me tomorrow? Lord, can I pay my bills tomorrow? Will I have enough tomorrow? Lord, will you forgive me tomorrow? Will I have your presence tomorrow? Will I have relationship tomorrow? Will I have hope tomorrow? Will I have encouragement? Yes. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. And today has enough trouble of its own. Do it one day at a time. That's how God instructs us. But it's meant to be that. He says, he goes on. He said, let us forgive our debts, Lord, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Debt back then was different than now. Debt today is inconvenient. You have a debt, and guess what? Oh, half my paycheck went to the debt. That wasn't the case back then. Back then, they had what was called debtor's prisons. If you owed debt, you went to prison. That's how it worked. Until you could pay it off. It's kind of hard to pay it off when you're in prison. But that's how it worked. You're, you, you owe me money, and you haven't paid it. I'm telling the, I'm telling the police. I'm telling the authorities. You go tell the authorities, and the authorities say, hmm. We'll go get him. They go get him, throw the person in jail, and then once your debt's paid, you can get out. And they did that to put pressure, because they obviously can't pay it. They did it to put pressure on the outside family or people that cared about them, so hopefully your family liked you, to figure out a way to come in and pay off their debt and get things even so they could get out. But it was a prison. And so when Jesus is saying, pray that he would forgive us our debts, right? And think of that, that word is still there, our Lord, forgive me of my sin. I screwed up. No, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Forgive Jenna of her horrible, terrible things that I'm sure she is not always so sweet. <laughs> Lord, I don't know what it is, but you do. Lord, forgive her. Like praying for others that you know, instead of being offended at them, mad at them, or praying that, Lord, I pray that you'll get them, or Lord, I pray that you'll change them. No, just pray, Lord, forgive them. Help them out. Touch their lives, Lord. Also forgive me. Why? Because forgiveness lets us out of what? Prison. Bitterness, unforgiveness, it's nothing but a prison. And we're asking God, Lord, let me out of it. Don't hold me in that, but Lord, let them out of it too, God. Don't just let me out and leave them behind, but let them all out. God, we want to come through Jesus. Lord, if they don't know you yet, Lord, help them to come to know you. God, just get us all out of here. It's bad in here. We want out. We want freedom. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The reality is that the world has a lot of temptation in it. There's a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenge. In the Bible, Job was tested and went through difficulties. And there's all these stories. Joseph was tested and had to run from someone that wanted him to have an affair with Pharaoh's wife. He had to run from her. And these things are going on. And he's saying, do you know what? Lead us not into places of temptation. Lord, keep, keep, you're, you're our shepherd. Guide us to places where we know that we're going to be strong. And what's the, what are you saying there? You're saying really like, Lord, I'm not so proud to think I can handle any temptation. 
Some people, you know, you talk to them and they put themselves in really bad situations. And they're like, yeah, but it's not going to bother me. I'm over it. Like, I can be there because it's not going to bother me. I can watch this because it's really not going to bother me. I can do this. It's really not going to bother me. Well, Jesus was saying, pray not to even be led down that road. Don't be in that environment. Don't be in that place. Don't be so proud. The Bible also says, take heed. If you think you stand, take heed unless you fall. If you think you stand, take heed unless you fall. Look at me. I'm so strong standing up. Look at me. I don't sin anymore. I'm so good. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're down. You only have to turn on the news about once a week to see another pastor that's leading a church somewhere that's decided to go off the rails and do, fall into some kind of sin. Why? Usually it's because they were playing too close to temptation. It doesn't really bother me. I'm a pastor now. I'm too smart. I'm too strong. I know the word too much. I can do all this. And all of a sudden, they go crashing out. So stay humble. Stay dependent. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Stay always in a place in our hearts of humility. And so you can look at this and go through this prayer, and nothing about this prayer is like you're supposed to pray these exact words. You can. It's like the sinner's prayer. You can pray the sinner's prayer, and it'll walk you right into salvation. But you don't have to pray that way. If somebody's talking to you about Jesus, and you want to put your faith in Jesus, and you're laying there on your deathbed, and, they're like, and you're like, help me with the sinner's prayer. They're like, I don't know it. What are we going to do? <laughs> I don't have the formula. It's not, it's not meant to be a formula. It's just meant to be a model. Hey, pray this way. Pray to your Father. Pray in community. Pray daily. Connect with Him all the time. Forgive people and pray for their freedom as well as your own. It's this whole aspect that God has. So let's bow our heads. And just as we pray right now, we're going to close. And I just want you to just really think about your relationship with God and your prayer time. And any one of these things, you can just go to the Lord on and just talk to him. Just in your own heart, in your own space, Lord, I need bread. Lord, I haven't trusted you to bring bread. I've been too worried about tomorrow's dinner to enjoy tonight's. Lord, I've been holding somebody else in prison. I want to forgive him right now. I want to let him go. Lord, I haven't looked at you as a father, but I want to. Help me to do that. Help me to trust you. Help me to love you. Help me to connect with you. Help me to care. And I would just encourage you to, to take Luke 11 and Matthew 6 and take time this week to just read through them and really get God's instruction on the heart and the mindset of prayer. This is how Jesus prayed. He didn't just pray as an individual. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for the people around him. He prayed in a communal mindset and heart. When we do that, God honors it. He loves that. And he brings blessing into our lives and blessings into others. Father, I pray right now that as we close, God, all this is for you. Lord, this church is for you. It's yours. God, our lives are for you. Our hearts are for you. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to enter in to conversation and fellowship with you in a deeper way. Lord, a more natural way. Lord, a way that we can come as your children. 
and allow you to be who you are in our life, to be our Father. Lord, teach us what we don't know. Lord, help us to live it out, both in our own lives, Lord, and as a community together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Love you guys. Thanks for being here. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.